you cannot do what he's called you to do on your own. And this is your opportunity to learn that. This is your opportunity to just kind of dig in and say, you know what? My natural strengths, my natural wisdom, my natural abilities are never going to be enough to do what God's called me to do. Because he's called us to live by faith. Welcome to It's Not About the Money, a podcast in search of grounded fundraising. I'm Heather, and together with my co-host, Andy, we look beyond the quick tips and formulas. Join us as we explore the nuance and complexity of ministry fundraising. If you want to thrive in partner development, not just survive it, this is the place for you. All right, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are thrilled to welcome Patty whom Heather and I have known for many years between the two of us. And we're just going to call her Patty for now based on some of the places that she's worked. So there are two extremes generally that we tend to see in the coaching world. And honestly, both of them are a little bit troubling. The first one is a lack of action. And this could be connected to drive or fears or an expectation that if God wants me to get funded, it'll happen. And the other extreme on the other side is someone who is extremely driven, who sets aggressive goals, but doesn't really invite God into the process. And this person is going to pull up their bootstraps and just get her done like every other task in their lives. Uh, So quick question, Heather, which one would you rather work with? Ooh, Andy, that is a good question. I think I would initially say that, honestly, I would rather work with either if they're teachable. Mm. But I guess if I had to choose, I would probably lean towards a person with a lack of action. Interesting. Because I think they're probably going to be more aware of their need for change Mm. versus someone who is extremely driven, has aggressive goals, highly capable, high capacity, might not be as quick to see, oh, something might need to change in my strategy because it can, um, it can unfortunately seem to produce a lot of success, even though it's, it's not necessarily always healthy. Interesting. And yeah. I would, I feel like I would go the other way. Really? Tell me yeah. more. Yeah. I would rather work with somebody who, uh, is naturally just kind of driven and then they're going to get the things done that they need to get done. And then we can kind of reorient along the way philosophically if we need to, hmm. um, but I don't have to worry about, are they actually going to do their job hmm. day after yeah. day? Interesting. Yeah. yeah, very different. And actually, I'm about to give you more specifics on our special guest today. But Patty, as I'm getting ready to intro you, would you like to answer that question? Which one of those two types of workers would you prefer to work with? Hmm. Well, my thought was, Boy, those two people can exist in the same body. Mm-hmm. Like, I probably lean more towards the driven side naturally, but when I'm overwhelmed, I can get very apathetic mm. and be like, well, whatever. Whatever happens, happens. And then I've also been in places where like, I've procrastinated or didn't focus on something I really should have. And then all of a sudden it kicks in. And I'm so full of guilt and shoulds, and I wished I had done that, and I ought to have done that. And, yeah, so I can see that same person existing in this body. Mm. <laughs> Both of them, though, I'd love to say this about it. Both of them, 
it is prime ground for training for what working on the field mm. can look like mm. and yeah. growing in their dependency on him. It doesn't matter either extreme. We can do nothing without him. Right. And so that training of dependency on God. Yeah. Both, both of those extremes need to understand that and grow in that. And just that process of walking by faith, leaning into community, mm-hmm. engaging in your work wholeheartedly, and then leaving the results mm-hmm. to God. What more do we want from people except mm-hmm. to grow and learn in that? It's a great answer. We did not plan that. We did not. And I tell <laughs> you what, I'm excited about our conversation. Yeah, tell us about Patty. Yeah, let me tell you about Patty. All right, so Patty and her husband have actually served for over 25 years in the overseas context. And in addition to that, Patty has done individual coaching. She has worked in member care alongside her husband, and she currently works in transition support. She is a certified coach and is passionate about equipping and encouraging others in their work. Patty, is there anything else you would like to share about yourself? Well, I'm also a Nana of two <laughs> little boys. Yes, you mm-hmm. are. A recent Nana to the second, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, it's probably my favorite role in life right now. Mm. That's fair. That's great. Yeah. All right. Well, as we get going, Patty, we would love to just hear a little bit about your story. What set you on this particular and unique life path? <laughs> oh, that's a big question. <laughs> A short answer, a commitment to follow God's leading, mm. I would say. And um, I'm also wired for adventure. Mm. And I think I inherited some of that from my dad. But my parents were uh, like they were true followers and wholehearted in their belief that we obey mm. and follow wholeheartedly and um So when I felt that nudge, and actually Sam and I felt the nudge at different times and grew into our understanding of what that meant to go overseas. And Sam is your husband. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Good clarification there, Andy. (laughs) Yes. Sam is my husband. I I tell you what, it's been a life full of privilege. Mm. That's the word I would Mm. use. Of being in places and meeting people and being in places of influence and impact in dark places, I I can't imagine a better life to live. Hmm. Well, Patty, we mentioned two extremes at the beginning of the show here. Can you generalize for us in your experience, did field workers tend to lean more towards one camp or the other? More of the kind of wait and see or more of the get or done, or maybe it was even? Do you have a general sense of that? Yeah, I've had experience with both, but I would say the people who stay, that stick around, probably lean far more into the driven Mm. kind of personality. Yeah, Yeah, in my experience, both overseas and on this side in preparing people, I really think that if somebody is struggling with a lack of action, if they don't have someone attuned to them that understands and sees what's going on, that's kind of helping them uncover those drives and fears and expectations, it can really be very difficult for them to ever even get to the field. Mm-hmm. That's something that that can really stick yep. with them. And if they don't have, like I said, good coaching, someone that's walking alongside them, um, kind of drawing them into action, I really think that can be something that keeps them from the field. And so from that, I think I would say that 
in my experience, I have seen, like Patty said, more people on the field that do fall into that second camp simply because that second camp can seem to get you a bit farther mm. on your own effort, even though it's not necessarily healthy effort all the time. Sure. So yeah, I guess in light of that, we really feel like these two attitudes can impact fundraising. And like I said, I think that that first attitude, you know, the um, the kind of immobilized, maybe discouraged, slow to take action. How how have you seen that carry over into life on the field and into life in ministry? Well, I I do think it's good to remember that none of us are static. So if somebody is like has a lack of focus, lack of action in one season of their life doesn't mean that they're doomed to that the rest of their life, right? Yeah. They're not defined so, by that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, different seasons, like decision fatigue is real. And when you have someone that's preparing to go to the field, there's a lot of decisions to make. And yeah. um, I think uh, one thing COVID mm-hmm. taught us were these um, terms like cognitive load or decision fatigue, uh, surge capacity, which all have to do with our ability to get things done. And so I certainly wouldn't give up hope on someone who's struggling in their fundraising um, because they might be an amazing relationship builder when they're in person mm. on the field. Mm-hmm. Or they might have the, uh, some giftings that really kind of blossom in a different kind of environment. But yeah, as, I, as they're doing that fundraising, if that's kind of where they're stuck, kind of where they're at, I, I do think there's some things that we can do to help people who mm. just don't seem to be able to get it done. Yeah, actually, I would really love to push into that, Patty, because I know that you, in coaching, in member care, in just being a coworker and friend... I know that you are a person that is passionate about meeting people in a place where they're stuck and being an instrument of the Holy Spirit and kind of and kind of like helping them move forward. And so I guess what would you say to someone who is stuck? Yeah, well, I'd tell them to get a provisio coach first of all. Checks in the mail. And that that's kind of tongue in cheek, but Truly, it is very hard to move out of that on your own. Mm. And as I said earlier, like some of these things we have to do or get to do in fundraising are such great training ground for what life on the field will look like and could look like. And that leaning into others, of being teachable, of being someone who uh, leans into their community, those things are awesome but it's hard to it's hard to do these things alone i think when it comes to motivation uh, we can read a book but information rarely generates energy Hmm. for change and action so it's typically a focus on impact on your values those types of things that can generate the motivation to do what you need to do Hmm. and personally I'm, I am a goal setter if I understand the why underneath. And I know that's a little cliche-ish, like to know your why, but there is something about understanding and connecting what you're doing with what you really value. 
So having a coach or someone help you stir up in you what's important to you, what difference would it make, like that, that can make all the difference in the world. And so just digging around in like what outcome are you looking for? What's the impact? If you focus on those things rather than the goal of, for instance, I'm focusing on being such and such percentage funded by a certain date. Like, I'm sorry, that's not very motivating, Mm. right? But if I'm focusing on, I'm going to get to the place where I'm called to be and there's people I'm going to meet that I'm going to have an impact on. They're going to have an impact on me. Like that can be motivating. Mm -hmm. If you're thinking about, okay, your goal is to make a certain number of calls or contacts in the next month. I'm sorry. (laughs) For my personality, for sure, that is not motivating Mm. at all. (laughs) But if I realize that those calls are connected to finding people who will join me, and getting me getting to where I need to be to do the work I feel called to do. And there are people out there waiting for opportunities to join that in that. Mm-hmm. That's motivating mm-hmm. to me. And so it's not just goal setting in the sense of this is what I need to do. Or even how I'm going to do it. But and really understanding your why. Why ask. Who am I going to impact? Mm-hmm. Who Whose life will be different? Because I've done the work to get to the place I'm going. Does that make sense to y'all? Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that why is the fuel that's going to keep it burning. <clears throat> yeah. Exactly. I, I do come across, it's funny that you say that. I do come across people, and I would say they're outliers, but they are super motivated by, the, by like hitting goals. Mm-hmm. And I'll even, it's really helpful when I have two of them and I'll say, well, so-and-so is doing this well. And they'll be motivated like, (laughs) oh no, I'm going to, I'm going to do more. I'm going to, I'm going to beat that. But there is danger there too. So how can this, this get her done bootstrap mentality when it's transferred onto the field and into issues of, of salvation and of, and, you know, people kind of getting used to the idea of being able to accomplish so much. How can that kind of uh, taint how they do work in the field, for lack of a better word? Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, someone comes to mind who has had a lot of leadership qualities. He was on our team. He was just out of college, and um, he had been straight-A student, captain of this, president of this, leader of that. Mm-hmm. So much success in life and very driven. And he got to our location and he had a tough time. Hmm. Like he had trouble learning the language. Other people around him were picking up the language and he was really struggling, struggling in the work that we were doing. He just, it didn't fit who he was or what he wanted to be in terms of vocation. And wow, watching him crash and burn Yeah, it was a good lesson in God is always up to something, Mm. right? So, of course, he's interested in our well-being. Of course, he's interested in the work we do. But he's far more interested in our hearts. Mm. And he will either bless or withhold 
things that have to do with our well-being or our work or ministry in order to get more of our hearts. Mm. And so, like, that was really painful for this teammate to experience that. But, like, our part was to come alongside him and help him dig around in that and understand that God might be doing something really significant in preparing you for what's next. Mm. But Mm -hmm. you cannot do what he's called you to do on your own. And this is your opportunity to learn that. This is your opportunity to just kind of dig in and say, you know what? My natural strengths, my natural wisdom, my natural abilities are never going to be enough to do what God's called me to do. Because he's called us to live by faith. And so if we're able to accomplish all of this on our own, yeah, we're probably not really doing yeah. what he's calling us to do. And it's a it's a hard and, thing to balance too, because I feel like yeah. we need to be driven by this vision and this mission. But I, I, I definitely resonate with what you're saying, because after my eight years on the field, what I walked away with was an impression that, Lord, it feels like you're more interested in what you're doing in me than what you're doing mm. through me. Mm-hmm. And that makes us, it kind of, it's humbling. It's like, wow, it's like, you, you could have done this with anybody. This could have been, there's any number of ways that you could have arranged these things that I've accomplished to to happen. And at the end of the day, this is what you wanted to teach me. Mm. Yeah. I, I feel like, Andy, what you're describing, there's two stories that come to mind. One is from John 2, when Jesus is turning the water into wine, right? So when you think about that story, and you can go back and look at it, about the what was going on, is that there were servants there. Now, if Jesus can turn water into wine, did he really need the servants? Nah, not mm-hmm. really, right? But he invited them to be part of it. He invited them to fill up these water jars. And so they're filling them up and even when they did it really well, it was still only water. Mm-hmm. And water didn't meet the need. But Jesus' involvement in that story was he turned the water into wine and really good wine mm-hmm. that met the need. And the part about the story that really blesses me is that it's like, this is so good, but nobody knew where the wine had come from except the servant. Mm. And I love that story so much because I think this is a picture of all of our work. It doesn't matter if you're overseas or wherever you live, the things that are really significant and impactful and eternally significant, Jesus has to be involved Mm. or it's just plain water that we Mm. offer. Mm. Yeah. So that's, story and then the story of him feeding the 5,000 and 4,000 you know they had what was it five loaves and two fish it doesn't go very far in a crowd of over 5,000 and yet Jesus involvement in that made all the difference and I feel that that's our like we we give all we have we give our two fish and our five loaves Mm. that's it that's all we have but He's the one who multiplies it. We water, we plant. He Mm -hmm. always gives the increase. 
yeah, it's always his work at the end of the day. And we just have the joy and privilege of joining him in it. Amen. So what does that have to do with fundraising? I think that has a lot to do with fundraising. Absolutely. As we've been looking at these two extremes, and maybe some of our listeners are even seeing in themselves a tendency towards, you know, hyperactivity or... Lethargy. (laughs) Yeah, or just not really knowing what to do, maybe maybe kind of being stuck, as we've said. Paralyzed, yeah. I really just want to reiterate a couple of things you've said, that, that none of us are static, right? That we're not defined by by these things. And we are complex people with a lot of complex things that affect the way we show up to the world at any given moment, right? There's been other episodes of the podcast this season that highlight that. The other thing I really want to reiterate that you've said before we move forward is that God is always at work. I really love that previously you talked about how God really is intentional with with the experiences that we have, and He He is at work in those experiences. And Andy and I have been talking a lot about how fundraising is really formation. It's a it's a season of formation, and honestly, not even something fundraising isn't even something you do as much as it's yeah, it's like something that happens to you and <laughs> forms you and. Mm. And really, we think, again, as you and others have said, forms you particularly well for overseas ministry, for a context where you bring your loaves, you bring your fishes, but at the end of the day, it is only God that can move mm-hmm. in a miracle mm-hmm. and in giving life where there is no life or bringing sight where there is no sight, you know? So mm-hmm. it's just really good. To, to remember those things, even as we're kind of talking about some of the struggles and the shadow side of how our efforts can play out in fundraising. Mm-hmm. So I guess along those lines, though, in, and in thinking that we are all in some way not fully prepared for what fundraising and even ministry looks like, Patty, could you share with us something that you that you see most people aren't prepared well for when they step into fundraising? Well, I- I probably can speak from my own experience most easily about that because it was a lack of understanding of what that partnership really could mean to another person. Mm. Um, You know, I was just like, I need money to be in the place I'm called to go. And you have money. (laughs) 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 Some pretty simple understanding, right. Mm -hmm. Of, of how all that works. And, yeah, I think that biblical underpinning of the partnership and the really incredibly important part that our partners and supporters play in our work. Yeah, I'm I'm really grateful that's part of what Provisio focuses on because I think that it's critical to long-term success in this area is including your partners. Yeah, and it kind of goes back to that, like, whose responsibility is it? And, you know, is it God's responsibility? Is it your responsibility? And it's both ends, right? And the end of the day, the lack of fun, it's good, really good to explore what's going on inside of you when there's lack of fun. Mm. Like, what, what might God be doing in you? What might he be inviting you into in terms of trust 
or dependent. Maybe he's inviting you to do more, contact more people. You know, I don't know what he's inviting you into, but that's a good wondering mm. um, and curiosity kind of thing. Like what what's going on underneath? You know, and, and even in abundance, who gets credit for that? Mm-hmm. Is it your amazing fundraising skills or is it just the kindness of God? Yeah. So I think it's always good for us to kind of just kind of look at what's underneath that at a little deeper level and let that form you in some way. Yeah, because it is forming you in some way. So it's really good to be aware of that. I wonder, Patty, as a coach, whether it would be a fair swap as a person is, if a person is able to be aware of the way they're talking to themselves, right? Like, let's say Mm -hmm. that there's a perceived problem and they're, they're aware of the way they're thinking about that. Is it fair to say that they should probably swap out if they, if they feel themselves thinking I should to maybe swap out and reframe to, I wonder if... In a lot of our conversations where you've ended up coaching me, which I always love, (laughs) I find that, you know, I'll kind of get stuck on just trying to practically think through, okay, well, this is what I need to do. And you often encourage me again, like you were saying, to kind of think, to get even under that and think, okay, well, I wonder what God might be doing here. And I wonder what, what we should explore. Yeah, I think a lot of the should and ought to those are really good things to explore. I heard once, like, change your shoulds to coulds. Hmm. Like, I should call that person. Just change it to could, and it changes the tone of that, right? Hmm. And, like, guilt, shame, and dread, all those things lead to isolation and hiddenness, a feeling of being alone in it. Um, so all all of those should kinds of things move us in the wrong direction but a could can propel us into a different kind of conversation with ourselves and with others around us yeah could hold possibilities yeah and should it's just guilt right yeah i'm thinking of it as you're saying that i'm thinking of it as this funnel that you can turn one way or the other and with the should the funnel is wider where it starts and then gets narrow and then mm. with could it it flips right and so it's like narrow but then gets wider like you said expanding possibilities mm. which honestly in fundraising it's always helpful yeah. to expand the the possibilities so yeah i th- i think our heart overwhelmingly in provisio is that no one leaves the field for any reason other than the lord has called them clearly to return. So like the, the pillar of fire or smoke mm-hmm. has moved. And I think adequate funding is a big part of that. Um, and so is ministry burnout. Um, so what would you, how would you counsel someone you felt maybe was just going too hard? Um, what sort of questions would you want them to ask themselves? Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, I, I think we always have to, pace ourselves in a way that like a marathon runner would rather than a sprinter. Mm. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's very, a very different way of moving and training and, um, attacking the race, right. Whether or not you have to run 26 miles or a hundred yards. Right. 
And so I, I think for that long run kind of thing, you have to think about pace and sustainability. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, Patty, I know that you haven't necessarily worked in the role of a fundraising coach, but certainly in your time of member care, you would have been a support and encouragement to people in a space where they found themselves with uh, funding that had gone down or wasn't adequate for their current needs or or whatever. So I guess let's maybe have a scenario where you, uh, you're either you know, in a coaching capacity or a member care capacity or something like that. And, and there's a coworker, a teammate that has, has realized that unless something changes with their funding, they will have to return home for a season. Um, kind of suspending judgment on what, what God intends to do through that circumstance. What are the ways that you would want to show up and um, talk to them, or what questions would you have for them, or how would you kind of help them think through the situation they find themselves in? Yeah, that's hard. That's really tough. Um, I think I w- would start with just my own heart, you know, to go into that conversation without judgment, mm. without you should be doing this. Yeah, to really enter into that conversation with grace and mercy and compassion. And then I'd want to encourage that person to talk to themselves in kind and gentle ways, Mm. you know, don't beat yourself up over it. And then I would want to explore, yeah, I'd want to explore what's going on underneath in that. Like what, like if they've acknowledged, well, I've really procrastinated or I've, I haven't written a newsletter in three months. Those kinds of things, again, without judgment, to explore what's been going on, like what's kept you from that, what's kept from moving forward in that, and just explore that with them. And then maybe find out from them, like when it comes to staying on the field and that's connected to fundraising, like what's most important to you? And let them explore that a little bit. And then, yeah, how does this tap into what you're believing Mm, about yourself? Or about God. Yeah, or about God, or about the people who are on your support team. Mm -hmm. And um, maybe people who've dropped your, your support or people who you feel like haven't quite come through for you. Like, what what are you believing about them? What kind of expectations did you have of people? or God, or yourself that you're experiencing some disappointment in. I I think I'd approach things in that way. Help people think through the, like the how, Mm -hmm. like what could you do next? Who else could you call? Um, Have you thought about checking in with this particular group? I mean, we can help people in some ways to focus on the what and the how, but I think our efforts will be far more fruitful if we help them understand themselves a bit more, grow in that self-awareness, to help grow in their understanding of, yeah, the experience that, that they're having in this moment and how would they like that to be different? And then what might need to shift in them to adjust to the invitation that that they're receiving from God in this. So yeah. it's that's not a quick 
little conversation, right? That's a coming alongside and walking with someone kind of conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, just like in the initial fundraising season, when the money might not coming in, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing something wrong. And just because you find yourself in need of funding when you're already on the field, that doesn't necessarily mean that there's a problem. So I think it's such excellent coaching to point people towards understanding what's going on. What could the invitation from the Lord be? And what's going on in me? And what are my initial feelings about this, right? Because the feelings will reveal something you're believing about yourself or about God, right? And so, yeah, I think that I think those are all really helpful questions for people to to start thinking through when they find themselves in that space. You know, and and if I were God, you know, (laughs) clearly, (laughs) I can't think in the same way He does. But in my thinking, if I were God and I wanted to convince you that I'm your provider, I'm probably going to let there be a little lack in your life in some area in which you cannot provide for yourself. And then wait until you create a little space for me to show up as your provider. You know, just like to really understand that he's a comforter. Mm. We have to be in some need of comfort or to really understand Mm -hmm. that he's our shepherd we need to be in places where we're walking and needing that shepherding care and guidance that he provides. So I I always like to think like if I was God and I was after this in my life, what might I be experiencing? And honestly, a lot of times it's some hard things (laughs) that make me willing to create the space for him to show up in that way in my life. It's hard when our prime directive for a lot of us is just to insulate ourselves and protect ourselves from danger and preserve mm. our stability and safety and comfort. Yeah. That I hear you. flies directly in the you. face of what God's trying to do and what he's trying to teach us. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think we can kind of wrap it up here. It's been great having you with us, Patty. Uh, I, I would say we coach people in all different stages of life, primarily people just kind of finishing college or fresh out of college, but also people mid-career or perhaps at a mature crossroads. Occasionally, I'll work with someone with a wide open schedule, but more frequently, they have a lot of plates spinning. So finally, my, my last question, I guess, would be, what tools or insights would you give to someone who's just trying to keep it all together? Yeah, I think it'd be great for that person to have some recognition of the season they're in. And maybe all those plates that are spinning don't have to be spinning in this particular season. Mm. So I like the analogy I heard once of determining, like you're juggling all these balls and you determine which ones are the rubber balls that you can drop for a while and they'll bounce around and you can pick them back up. Mm versus the glass balls that you really need to attend to, like your primary relationships and things like that, that are, you don't want to drop um, those, those things. Right. Um, So just understanding that season you're in and thinking about what could, and maybe would be really beneficial for you to prune in this season to create space, for pursuing fundraising goals and fundraising initiatives. 
So it, it might mean setting some things aside. But I'd also say there's probably some things that you might need to add just for that sustainability piece. Maybe you need inspiration. Like I know that for me, inspiration is highly motivating. Mm -hmm. Like if I hear an inspirational story or have a conversation and hear of of some way that God showed up in somebody's life, that, that motivates me. So maybe you need to add a little inspiration. Maybe you need to have more breaks. For me, like making calls to people and talking about what I do and um, would you like to join me? Those are not, like some people get a lot of joy out of those types of calls. Not so much for me. (laughs) (laughs) And so I know I can't make three of those calls in a row. So if I need to make three of those calls in the day, I need to space them out with maybe a walk in between or um, just uh, turning my focus on something else that I enjoy doing, some of those life-giving things to re-energize. Todd Henry has a book called The Accidental Creative, and there's a chapter on energy management that's Hmm. so good. Hmm. Everyone should read it. but there, there really is something about that of not just looking at your calendar and filling in the, all the spaces, but being really mindful about which things give you energy and which things drain your energy and being careful not to have too many drainers stacked up on top of each other. I don't know if this would have come from that book or something else, but I just remember in several projects we've had the opportunity to collaborate on. I can remember Mm -hmm. kind of like mid-meeting you saying, okay, guys, let's stop, let's stand. And you led us through a very particular stretching and breathing exercise in order to kind of like restore some energy. Did that by chance come from that Mm -hmm. resource or was that from another source? Yeah, I don't don't think that came from that resource, but that's the kind of thing we're talking about, Mm -hmm. like just physical breaks. There's so many cool things we're learning about how the brain works. Mm -hmm. And... One of my favorites is this thing called optic flow, that when we're walking, that physical act of seeing things pass by us actually activates neurotransmitters that activate the problem-solving part of our brain. Hmm. Isn't that cool? What about if you're walking with a cup of coffee? Oh, man. That's like icing on Iron on all cylinders. (laughs) <laughs> so maybe take your next difficult coaching call on the road, Andy. Oh, man. Just kind of go to the park, do yeah. some laps. Yeah. Does it help to be, I mean, does it matter if you're driving or does it help to be perambulating? I think it's part of the bilateral movement at the same time. You yeah. know, you're walking. I don't know if you should be driving, drinking coffee, and having a hard conversation <laughs> all at the same time. Yeah. yeah, I definitely meant walking. Yeah. Yeah, that's really great. That's really cool. And I'm sorry, I kind of interrupted your flow of thought. but No, I think that's a great example of ways that we can just infuse our days with things that are energizing and are helpful in terms of kind of re- igniting a little motivation to do the next thing you need to do or want to do. 
Well, great. Well, Patty, it has truly been wonderful to have this time with you. Are there any resources that you would recommend for our listeners, anything that's been meaningful to you or that when you coach people, you point them to? Yeah, I I really think finding a, a coach, I mean, it sounds, in some ways, it sounds like a, a little commercial plug for <laughs> coaching. Mm-hmm. And maybe it is, but being coached around something has unlocked for me a greater understanding mm-hmm. of who I am. And then, which leads to a greater understanding of how I approach something, a greater understanding of what motivates me. Yeah, so I'm a big fan of coaching as a resource. Because you, as someone who coaches others, you see the benefit in being coached yourself. That's what you're saying, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And as a coach, then I can trade coaching and get free coaching, you know, (laughs) bargaining. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's some coaching books like The Coaching Habit or um, The Coach Model or Leadership Coaching. There's a lot of coaching books around that I think you could dig around in them and find some good questions. And there's actually a book called Coaching Questions by Tony Stoltzless. But yeah, the beauty of coaching, again, is not information. It's in the actual interaction between you and a coach. Mm. So yeah, I'd encourage that. There's a lot of great books on finding your why Mm. podcasts. I mean, there's so much information. But information can inspire, but honestly, it rarely truly motivates to change. Mm. So there we go. And I have one final question for you, Patty. This is one that we ask to every guest. All right. So you have suddenly $10,000 that you have to give away today. You have five seconds to decide who or what do you give it to? Okay, I'm going to take that 10000 and I'm going to give that 1000 to each of 10 trusted friends oh. and say, you have to decide who you're going to give this to today. <laughs> Delegates it. All right, now we're going to ask you to name each of those trusted people. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> that's great. Well, Heather, Andy, <laughs> yeah, that's uh-huh, yeah. in my top two right there. So, so it, it, when you do that, you're just distributing it more widely. What's what's some of your thoughts behind that? Um, for one thing, then I can avoid making the decision myself. Ah, okay, decision fatigue. Okay, so a little bit of that, but also spreading the joy. You know, if it wouldn't it be fun, really, to give ten thousand dollars to someone today and for a particular need or purpose. But if we can do that for 10 people Mm. in maybe a smaller way, but the impact on the person of knowing that they were noticed and um, cared for in this way, we just doubled. No, we didn't double it. We 10 times did. (laughs) Love it. I love it too. Well, thank you so much, Patty. It was wonderful to have you on. Thank you. I appreciate what both of you do and big fan. All right. Thanks. And we'll see you all in the next episode. It's Not About the Money is presented by Provisio Fundraising Solutions. Provisio equips support-based workers with flexible training, practical resources, and one-on-one coaching. 
Find out more at ProvisioFundraising.com.